Welcome to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur. Some of the most successful stories in business started from failure, sometimes even multiple failures. The guests on our program have faced failure, learned to understand it, and have used it to their advantage. You can too. Get ready for success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Cheryl Lentz. Hello and welcome back. I am Dr. Cheryl Lentz, the academic entrepreneur, and today you're going to have a wonderful opportunity to meet an amazing man. If you have not heard of him, you have not been paying attention. We will be talking to Frank Shankowitz, one of the co-founders of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, in addition to his amazing accolades, including one of the number one Forbes bestselling keynote speakers. We will be talking to him about his book, uh, talking about his new movie that's going to be coming out, and for our purposes here for the show, here are some amazing things that Frank's going to share with us. How to turn something negative into a positive and still make it work. That's going to be the focus of our question today for Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. When you have someone of Frank's amazing talents, you're going to have some wonderful lessons to be able to hear live and in person from the man, the myth, and the legend. And so we're really excited to be able to offer an introduction and to have Frank with us. So stay tuned as we come back from break. We're going to be able to talk to none other than Frank Shankowitz, the co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So stay tuned, buckle up. We've got an exciting show for you today. I'm Dr. Cheryl Lynn. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish and you don't know where to begin. Contact the Refractive Thinker Team, the premier academic publishing house, where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree? Do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations? Hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster. We provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs. Graduation awaits. Call us to make your appointment today. The first call is free. Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're 
tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lentz at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C. And welcome back. I'm Dr. C. Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. And today we welcome guest Frank Shankowitz. Frank, are you with us? I am with you, and thank you for the invite. I appreciate that. We are thrilled to have you. So for those of our listeners who might not have a little bit of background about you, why don't you get us cut up to speed? Tell us the amazing things that you've done, because I've given them quite a list. <laughs> I don't know if it's amazing, but I've just had a very fortunate career. Um, Air Force veteran, uh, 42 years as a state police officer, um, went into a speaking career, and very humbly I can say that I was chosen the Forbes uh, number one keynote speaker in 2016. Um, I received the Ellis Island Medal of Honor in 2015, joining six U.S. presidents and Nobel Prize winners. And um, recently I received the uh, Hero Award, from the uh, Ryan Long City Gala and um, Universal Studios last year. Congratulations, so, Frank. We are so pleased and so proud of the things you've done. Can you tell us what what, what is your favorite? What really sticks out for you in the things you've done in those 42 years? Well, it, it has to be the, the creation, co-founding of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, a, a now a worldwide organization. Well, I can imagine that little boy, Chris, must have touched your heart in ways that many of us can't imagine. So tell us about the power of a wish. Well, the, the, the wish, um, and when we started this, um, unfortunately, I'll go back a little bit here on, on why a holiday came about. In uh, 1980, I was a motorcycle officer with the Arizona Highway Patrol. There was a television show called Chips in those days that was very popular. Uh, the show is about two California Highway Patrol motorcycle officers, Ponch and John, and their adventures. And it was very popular with the younger set. And our department, Arizona Highway Patrol, was called by a customs agent who had befriended this little boy named Chris, seven years old, and unfortunately terminal leukemia, and asked if there's anything we could do to this little boy, for this little boy, because his heroes were Ponch and John from Chips. And he always told his mother, when I grow up, I want to be a motorcycle officer, just like Ponch and John. And the department agreed to it with permission of his mother and his doctors. Chris was picked up at his uh, hospital. He was on IVs at this time. Uh, and by our state police helicopter flown to our headquarters building, where I was standing by with my motorcycle to meet this little boy. And Chris was just so excited this day to come out to meet a motorcycle officer and our equipment, our uniform is almost identical to California Highway Patrol. In fact, we initially trained with CHP in Sacramento. But Chris went on that day to become the first and only honorary Highway Patrol motorcycle officer, uh, complete with a custom-made uniform we had for him, his own badge, and the most important thing for him, his motorcycle wings. And unfortunately, Chris passed away a couple days after that. And our commanders learned he was going to be buried in a little town called Kiwani, Illinois, and asked myself and another motorcycle officer to go back to Kiwani to give Chris a full police funeral. We had lost a fellow trooper. 
which we did. And the press picked us up, Cheryl. I had no idea, but we were met in this little town of Kwani by Illinois State Police, City Police, County Police, all to help bury this little boy. In fact, he was buried in uniform. His grave marker reads, Chris Gracious, Arizona Trooper. But coming home, I just started thinking, here's a boy who had a wish, and we made it happen. Why can't we do that for other children? And that was when the idea of the Make-A-Wish Foundation was born, maybe about 36,000 feet over Kansas or somewhere. I think that's amazing, the power of one little boy that can touch the heart of so many and to ask the question of, well, if we could do for one, couldn't we do that for everyone else that is there? And look at what you have done. And we've talked a little bit here in leadership is the idea is the power of leading and the power of taking that first step. And I know there's many families around the world, Frank, that would like to thank you and Chris for taking that full first step because of what you've been able to make happen and to put this organization in place to make those wishes happen for so many people around the world. And so let's look at that harnessing of turning something that was a negative into something positive and to make it work because that really is the theme that was here. So what's your secret? Well, and, and I learned this as a young boy. It was a very uh, poor upraising. We lived in, it was just my mother and I, we lived in uh, tents. We lived in the back of a car and we ended up in a little town called Seligman, Arizona, where she was completely broke out of money. And a ranch family took us in for several months. And I started working uh, 10 years old as a dishwasher full time. But a gentleman befriended me and um, became kind of my father figure. In fact, my father was searching for us this whole time, as is pointed out in the movie. But he, he just taught me if anything that was negative, turn it to a positive. And I, I didn't understand what he meant by that. And he said, you're not eating today, but if you work real hard, you're going to eat tomorrow, and people are going to help you out. So that's that negative to a positive. Uh, The biggest lesson was uh, my mother abandoned me when I started seventh grade and had nowhere to go. And again, Juan said, we're going to turn this negative to a positive. And he arranged for me to live with a uh, young uh, lady in town, Widow Sanchez, as they called her. And I said, how is that a positive? He said, well, you've been living in a tent, you've been living in a car, you've been living in, in a barn. You're going to have your own room for the first time ever. You're going to have TV because she has the first TV in town. Not only that, she's the best cook in town. And all of that was that negative to a positive. And I kept applying all that to my life, especially in my police career. Uh, you can't do this. Why not? Well, it hasn't been done. Let's figure out the way to turn that negative to a positive. And the same with starting the foundation. When, when I came with the idea to people, they said, we've never heard of that. It, it's not going to work. Nobody's ever done that before. Well, let's figure out a way to make it work. And again, that negative to the positive. I think that's amazing, isn't it? You, when you look at the idea, we talked about this a couple of shows ago, of the idea of when you look at the glass full or glass empty. The chances are that there's the same amount of water in the glass. It's all a matter of how you look at it. Are you going to stay and play the victim or are you going to stay and look at what you do have versus what you don't have? And I think that it's an amazing testament for what you've been able to do is ask that question of not just what is, but what if and what could be and what might be just by simply looking at a different version of the water in the glass. So let's pick out some amazing things you've done in your life that are your favorites in there, because I want to be able to also talk about your book and your movie coming out called Wishman, which are all foundations of these journeys that you've had with being able to turn that negative into a positive and account for where you are today. What's a favorite milestone that you might have? 
Well, as I well, I guess I'll go back a little bit. A favorite milestone is surviving. Uh, mm-hmm. As I said, I was a motorcycle officer there. I was on highway patrol, and this goes back clear back to 1978. I was on a 10-man squad that we worked the whole state of Arizona. And 1978, I was involved with a high-speed chase of a drunk driver, 80 miles an hour in a 25 zone. And another drunk driver pulled right in front of me. I hit him broadside at 80 and uh, was pronounced dead at the scene. Um, My partner tried to revive me. He could not. Fortunately, an off-duty emergency room nurse came up and said, I want to try and revive him. They had already called in uh, the code officer killed in the line of duty. And he said, he's gone. And she said, I don't care. I'm going to try him for four minutes. Uh, she kept doing CPR and obviously brought me back to life. We're talking. But as but, far as a milestone, and that was that was massive injuries. That was skull fractures, traumatic brain injury, broken bones, a lot of missing skin. And it took a couple months to uh, recover from that. And towards the end, I had to start seeing a counselor to make sure that I was mentally okay to go back to work. And one of the last sessions, the counselor said to me, God spared you for a reason, and it's up to you to find that reason. And that was probably the biggest turning point in my life, because two years later, I found that reason when I met this little boy named Chris. I get chills every time I hear you tell that story, Frank. It's amazing. You know, the idea is that life is supposed to be a present, that God gave us the ability to have the initial gift of life, and what we do with it is our present back to Him. And you have paid that present back to many people around the world. So let's talk about your um, the book that you have coming out that's going to uh, outline some of these things in there. What can we expect with reading it? Uh, the book is um, came out uh, recently. What was the republish? Um, it came out a couple of years ago. In fact, that's what the movie is based on. But uh, it was just recently republished, uh, some more stories added. And it just goes through the whole thing, my uh, kind of life story. But the biggest thing in the book is the people that influenced me and, and gave me that, uh, developed the character, the integrity, the work ethic, the people that helped me out. And the message of the book is everyone can be a hero. And you don't have to have money to be a hero. You can just, by helping somebody out, and it outlines the people, in fact, that did help me out, and like I say, taught me that ethic and that integrity and characters. Isn't it amazing when you look at how we are shaped like a stone in the river as the water keeps going over us and over us, and by the end of our life, that rock gets to be very, very smooth. But as you have indicated with your life, there were some pretty jagged rocks that came around that you had to get through. So do you have some favorite uh, moments in your life with some of these stories that, that are something that just mean the most to you? Well, and, and a lot of the book is about uh, the Bankwish Foundation and putting it together. Um, but one of my favorite stories, I think, well, obviously it was about the children too, but a personal favorite story is, and this is about probably five or six years ago, the Bankwish Foundation sent me to the islands of Guam, Saipan, and Tinian to meet with uh, people over there, to meet with sponsors, because we do have the Bankwish chapter over there. And it was a long journey, a long flight, 20-hour flight, um, 11 days of just meeting people, television interviews, galas, etc. And on the 11th day, there's a knock on my hotel door, and it's one of the wish moms. And she said, we've arranged a special day for you. Uh, grab your bathing suit, grab your beach stuff, <laughs> 
and we're going to this private beach on the island of Guam. And I'll go outside, there's three cars, and they're all full of kids, and all of these are wish kids that have survived. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by these kids. We go to this very private beach straight out of a movie, just unbelievable, and having fun. And all of a sudden, there's a surprise luau they took me to, uh, and the children are serving me. I wanted to get my own food, but no, they, what do you need, Frank? And just kept bringing me plates of food and iced tea and punch and everything. And it dawned on me at that point that the children that were, in fact, at one case not going to actually survive have now survived, won remission, and they're taking care of me instead of me the other way around. And I kind of lost it right I had to get up and start walking down the beach and a little tear in my eye and but that was one of the most uh, rewarding moments I think I ever had with the foundation. Isn't it amazing when they say a child shall lead us with looking at the simplicity and the joy of being able to look at the one person that can make a difference. You know the example of the starfish, right? The the little boy and his grandfather? And yeah. there's a whole, you know, the whole beach full of starfish, and they're all beached, pun intended. And little boy looks at his grandfather and says, but grandfather, there's so many of them. How do you make a difference? And as the grandfather puts another starfish in his hand to throw back into the sea, he goes, I may not be able to solve them all, but I made a difference to that one. And that is an amazing point, the power of one. Oh, that's, a, that's terrific in there. Can you, when you take a look back on this reflection what are the most interesting qualities that you look at for those who are starting their own nonprofit foundation from there? What kind of advice you might give to them? The biggest one is make sure it's about the mission and not about you. And I do a lot of consulting with people um, to help start a nonprofit, to enhance a nonprofit. And fortunately, I'm, I'm able now to sit on several boards, either a board member, advisory board member. But the biggest thing, like I just said, Make sure it's about the mission and not you. I get so many requests when one of the first questions they ask me is, how much money can I make? What size salary can I take? And I say, uh, so long, we're done talking because it's about them now. It's not about the mission. But just have that passion. And again, I think you and I know the same gentleman named Greg Reed. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, and Greg is one of my mentors and, in fact, brought me into this new speaking career. But he gave me a new word that's kind of like changing the negative to the positive, and that's stickability. I love that word. And he said, Frank, you never gave up. You had stickability. And that's what I tell the people starting a new nonprofit. Don't give up. Keep going. Don't give up. Have stickability. Well, the biggest advice I've learned from Greg is the ability is in order to get what you want, you have to serve others to help them get what they want first. And the joy is in the process, not in the having. And when you look at some of those magical people that you and I know uh, with Greg, Greg Reed's group, The Secret Knock, it's amazing when you have just genuine people who literally just want to make a difference. They get up every morning and it's always about what they can do for others, not what others can do for them. And that is powerful and magical at the same time. Oh, exactly, exactly. So who are some of the favorite people you have met? <laughs> wow. You gotta realize how old I am. So oh, you list. have to have some amazing folks that you have seen along your line that have made impressions on you the way um, Greg Reed and others have. Well, outside of Greg Reed, and probably the most in recent years, the, the biggest impression, like say the the mentor that has really um, changed my whole life around, 
when, when I was going to uh, get ready to retire um, from homicide division and from our department, I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? I'm not the type of guy that's just not going to sit around. But 42 years was long enough in a police career. And that's when I met Greg, and he managed to be this whole new speaking career. Uh, so he's one of the, the great examples. And then another one that goes back to um, my childhood, and I mentioned a, a gentleman that mentored me uh, named Juan Delgadillo. And Juan, again, taught me the ethics, the uh, character, helped develop character integrity, but introduced me to so many things because I had never, we always lived in little camps or whatever, never had childhood friends, never got involved with organized sports whatsoever. And he introduced me to uh, the basketball, the football, the baseball. He introduced me to music. He taught, got me involved with playing the drums. Uh, just so many things. And, and it's probably one of the biggest influences of my life was that gentleman right there in my young life. And I'm so happy that we got to portray him in the movie. Uh, in fact, using his real name. He was only one of the three people that we used the real name in the movie. Uh, Juan Dogodil, myself, and my wife, Kitty. Outstanding. Well, the importance that I know that mentors can make in the life, particularly of a child, is to move them from being invisible to being visible, for someone simply to take an interest in them, to make them feel special, to make them feel as if they are worthy, because I know many children come into the world and they aren't um, put on that pedestal, they aren't valued, they aren't given that, and when you have someone that can make you feel that way, the way you have had with Juan, is, is an amazing journey to see how much of a difference that he made in your life, and then allowing you to have such a difference that you have made in the lives of others. And I'm so fortunate, because I'm, uh, unfortunately Juan passed away about seven years ago, but I'm very close to his family, and uh, they were very involved with uh, the making of the movie. Um, using some of the locations that were involved in this little town called Sligman, Arizona, uh, up on old Route 66. So he always told me to give back, so I always felt, Juan, I'm starting to give back here a little bit, uh, both to the town by bringing in a movie crew, and then also honoring your name. That has to have been amazing to see some of the things that when you look back on your life, where the journey has taken you, where you're going, and do you have a clue on what the future will bring for you and where you want it to continue to go now that you are where you are as a result of all of this? Well, staying alive would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you are alive we, for a reason, we, my friend. Um, the movie was completed last October, but we just, a month ago, really, uh, finished the final editing. And now the it's going, um, being shown to various distributors. You can make all the movies you want, but until the distributor buys it, it sits on a shelf. So we've been doing that and scheduled to do several more showings within the next couple of months. And if the movie does get picked up and gets into the theaters, uh, that's going to be a year-long journey just in promotion of the movie, which will also help with the speaking career I'm involved in uh, because I'm getting more and more requests for keynote uh, speaking throughout the nation. Was it tough making the movie, Frank, to go back in time and relive some of these not-so-pleasant moments in your life? Uh, Yes and no. I was somewhat emotional, but it was a five-year process to make this movie. From the uh, original idea, uh, it was two and a half years to uh, write the screenplay, and I'm smart enough, I've been involved with some other productions, that I had script approval. 
because and the movie is based on a true story. Whenever you go into the movie theaters and see based on a true story, it's not the actual true story. Uh, Hollywood likes to embellish the little things to make it interesting, or else it would be a documentary on the Discovery Channel or something. But there were several scenes in the movie, uh, and I was a technical advisor, consulting producer, and, um, in fact, the recreation of being being killed in a motorcycle wreck. Um, I just started reliving that whole thing, and it kind of got me gasping and dream. Brought some uh, kind of tears to, <laughs> tears to my eyes. And then other things, the actors were so good, especially the gentleman that played me. And this is from age 10 to age 38 for the movie, a period piece, 1950 to 1980. But uh, I'd be watching some of the scenes he's doing, and it dawned on me, wait a minute, that's supposed to be me. (laughs) It was really, really flattering. That's got to be hard in some places and very rewarding in others to be able to watch your movie live and in technicolor, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, and and a very interesting thing on the movie, as as I said, a technicolor, one of my duties every day, was where I was one of the first, along with the crew, on the set every morning or every evening, whatever the shoot might be. And I worked very close with a script supervisor, a young girl named Kennedy. And what we would do, we would go over the sets for the day to make sure they matched the script, uh, make sure the script, uh, the costumes, etc., matched everything. And then she knew it was about uh, Make-A-Wish and who I was. And about the third day into it, Cheryl, she comes up, she gives me a big hug, and she starts crying. And I mean really crying. I said, Kennedy, what's wrong? What did I do? And she said, I'm a wish child. Now we're both crying. Wow. And she was uh, 14 years old. Uh, She had a wish, and she wanted to go to film school to learn, of all things, be a script supervisor. That was her goal. But she was so ill, she couldn't do it. In fact, they thought they were going to lose her. And at age 17, she went into remission, and they said, okay, you're well enough to do the wish. They sent her to a film school in uh, Las Vegas. And during the film school, a director was there and said, I'd like to offer you a job in Hollywood as, as an intern, which she accepted. And into the first year of that, she was on a set as an intern, and the regular script supervisor didn't show up. The director said, you've been studying this. You handle it today. The next day, the gal didn't show up again. He said, she's fired. You're hired. And this girl's been working ever since all over the world on numerous, numerous movies. Wow, that has to be an amazing set of coincidences. See, I don't believe in coincidence. I really believe that when the student is ready, the teacher magically appears, where success and opportunity meet and where people tend to have a job to do in the universe. The amazing part, the fact that you could connect that way, ah, it just it gives me goosebumps, Frank. This is just yeah, and then we, That's what I like now. We stay in touch all the time through Facebook. I follow her eventually. She follows mine. I think that is terrific in there. Well, we are going to take a short break here, Frank. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we are going. We are currently talking with Frank Shankowitz, co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, as well as his book, Wish Man, and the movie, and all of these other amazing stories that we're talking about. If you'll stay with us, we're going to take a short break with our messages from our sponsors, and we will be right back to finish these terrific stories with Frank Shankowitz. I'm Dr. Cheryl Lentz, your host. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree? Do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations? Hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster. We provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs. Graduation awaits. Call us to make your appointment today. The first call is free. Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish and you don't know where to begin. Contact the Refractive Thinker Team, the premier academic publishing house, where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lentz at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C. And welcome back. You're on the show Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C. And today our guest is none other than the illustrious Frank Shankowitz, the co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Frank and I have known each other for several years through a wonderful organization called Secret Knock, founded by a man named Greg Reed, mentor for both of us in there. He has helped uh, both of us in our career and in moving forward. And I want to be able to focus on Frank's speaking career. So Frank, why don't you tell us a little bit of how that career is starting? Because I know many of our guests are very much interested and it's always interesting to watch someone else's path as they follow. So tell us how this got started and what we can do to serve you in this role. It started actually with Make-A-Wish. Um, I was the first president and CEO, so I'm speaking at local groups, and then I got statewide, and then started going uh, nationwide. And then uh, Make-A-Wish of America, which is the parent of the whole organization, uh, started sending me as a wish ambassador to the galas, to meet and greets, to uh, meet with possible sponsors, donors, 
literally all over the world. And uh, so for 30-some years, I was speaking at groups being the keynote for Make-A-Wish. And Greg Reed uh, heard one of those uh, presentations and approached me, and he said, uh, uh, what started out, he said, how am I going to be a police officer? I'm going to retire here in a couple of years. Why? And he said, well, we need to develop into a speaking career. I had no idea who Greg Reed was. But it was an instant friendship, and he was the one who mentored me to do it on, on away from Make-A-Wish, but on the stage. And within just four short years uh, from that, like I mentioned, uh, was picked by Forbes, number one keynote speaker in 2016, and again developed. And now that the word has got out, you kind of do your novice, as they say, but now the demand is there enough where I had to hire a manager to start handling the bookings. And you can find out about the information. Uh, I have a website. It's wishman1.com, and it's wishman1.com, which gives all the background information, some of the movie book information, uh, past speaking events, and also uh, how to contact me for future speaking events. And then I'm also on Facebook, just Frank Shankwitz, or Frank Shankwitz Public Figure, and I know nothing about Instagram, but my manager just was setting up the Instagram account for more following what's going on. What's your favorite part about speaking? Meeting people. Number one, I'm, I'm very honored that people would be pay to see me and obviously other speakers. Uh, but the thing is, I always, I'm not selling a product on a stage. I'm not one of the speakers that says for today only for... Uh, my product is normally $5,000 today, only for nineteen ninety-five. you can get it. I'm not selling anything but the message. In the message, everyone can be a hero. But it's afterwards, I make myself available for meet and greets. Um, and the line, and not boasting, but the line is forever. It's usually an hour and a half to two hours with meet and greets because so many of those people are related somehow to Make-A-Wish. They will come up and say, I'm the mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandfather, grandmother, of a wish child, but the biggest thing, Cheryl, the biggest thing for me is everywhere I speak, I meet a wish child that is now an adult, and to me, that is the most important thing. I love talking to them. I always like looking into their eyes real close and say, what was your wish, and I can see them relive that whole positive experience. That's my biggest payback. Oh, I think that's amazing. Many of us discount the power of hope. And that's what a wish can obviously be, is the wish of tomorrow, the wish of looking forward to something we've, they've always wanted to do. And how many of us would love to have that wish when we don't have to be sick to get it? And so your inspirational bit of hope and the fact that these children have lived beyond this terminal stage, um, lived beyond having the opportunity to see the future grow up from when many people said they wouldn't have that ability. I'm one of those folks who have been told I wasn't supposed to make it, not once, not twice, but three times, and yet I'm still here as well, and, and marvel at the ability. Cat's not finished with me yet either, Frank, you know? <laughs> right. And we call, I meet so many children that that are, um, that were rush wishes, as we call it, and a rush wish is a doctor will come to the family and say, if we're going to do this wish, we're going to have to do it within the next two months, two weeks, or a month, because this child is not going to survive. The child goes on the wish, comes back, and for some reason goes into remission. I was on a study with this. The doctors could not figure it out. And I call it the power of a wish. 
Oh, absolutely. Not to mention the power of love that can heal spontaneously when you can just move things. And I don't care why we explain it, but isn't that the whole point of inspiring others to make ourselves go back home and have a different outlook on life and tell that cancer to just go away? Well, exactly. And the child comes back and says, wait a minute, I got more to do. I'm I'm done with this illness. <laughs> and I get I to meet it. so many of these children that are, like I said, are now adults and, and they were what we call a rush wish. And they agree, the power of a wish helped cure me. Isn't that just amazing how we can learn from children is to look at that power of hope and that power of passion and that power of having something important to do. Um, so what do you think would be, have, have many of these children gone on and, and had their own foundations that they've created as a, as a model for Make-A-Wish? Several have. I've met several have. Now, um, uh, we have granted to date over 450,000 wishes worldwide since our inception wow. in 1980. So I've only met a small fraction of those 450,000, obviously. But I have wow. met several that I've given back. And I mentioned the uh, Kennedy, who was the script supervisor. She, in fact, is a wish granter now when she's home in her L.A. area. And because she knows how to handle it. She knows what it means for the child. Nothing more personal to have a wish child taking care of another child. I can imagine it's not just for the children and not just for the family, but for the community. I mean, every time I hear you speak and you talk about Chris and that power of recreating and giving him one more day and giving him one more day and that the hours that he spent were the happiest that he had, so few that he had, but they were still magical as a result of the community coming together and being able to make the heart of one little boy so happy before the end came. And that to me is, isn't that why we're supposed to be here in the first place? Yes, and, and a girlfriend example of Chris, uh, I mentioned he'd come off the hospital, but he's off IVs, and when he's landing in the helicopter and he's all over this motorcycle, this little boy is laughing and jumping and all over, and I'm looking at his mother, and she's crying, and Cheryl, I couldn't figure out why she's crying. Then it dawned on me, she has that seven-year-old back, that little boy that's a little girl that's having so much fun, and that's one of the biggest things about the foundation. Let's get them back to their childhood. Well, and there's something magical to immerse yourself and distract yourself because when you're in that moment, right, they call it the present for a reason, you're in that moment, you're not thinking about the hospital and the needles and the tests and the pain and all of that. I've, I've been my share myself. You're in there trying to find a way of going beyond what you can't control because the one thing we would like to be able to control is our body, and that's the one thing that medicine sometimes can't do for us. And so to get us distracted, to go and be happy in the powers of the power of laughter, the power of love, the power of distraction is such a gift that the community, I have talked to many folks uh, who have very little to be positive about, and yet, Frank, they're the happiest people I met. I was at the Mayo Clinic for some time, and I remember commenting uh to someone next to me. She had fourth fourth stage cancer. She was the most amazing soul I'd ever met. For magical and powerful and had such peace and light about her. And I'm thinking, how can this woman have this level of happiness when she has so little to be happy about? She took her hand, my hand in hers, and she's like, hon, every every moment is precious. And you have to live every day as if it's going to be your last. And I will still remember that look in her eye, Frank, the rest of my life. And I'm thinking, you're at the Mayo Clinic. People don't often live leave here, right? And so there where you're giving them is giving them hope 
And some of the happiest people I've met are some of the few that have the least to be happy about. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's talk about when you're looking at the next step for you. You have mentioned that you sit on several board of directors. Tell us about some of those organizations. Yeah, and I'm very fortunate on this. Uh, I had to um, resign from Make-A-Wish. Now, I never received a, a salary from Make-A-Wish, and even though I was the first president and CEO, um, I had to make a career choice after a couple of years. Am I going to be a police officer or am I going to run the foundation? I couldn't do both anymore. And I hired, we've made the wise decision to hire people smarter than we were, people in the nonprofit <laughs> world that have made the foundation grow. But because of the movie, it's a conflict of interest and uh, resigned uh, anything involved with Make-A-Wish as far as a spokesperson anymore. But with this allowed me to get involved with other nonprofits. And one of, uh, one of my favorite right now, well, two of the favorites, one is called U.S. Vets. And U.S. Vets is um, not associated with Veterans Administration. And they have chapters all over the United States. We have one in our little mountain town up here in Prescott, Arizona, because we're close to a VA hospital. But the mission of U.S. Vets is to find the homeless veterans, get them off the street, get them into temporary housing, get them into counseling, job training, job placement, and permanent uh, housing. And we're so successful in this area, uh, we're about a 70% success rate with the veterans wanting to stay and accepting the program. But the biggest thing with U.S. Vets is it's unheard of in the nonprofit world. 89 cents of every dollar is actually going to the mission. Oh, uh, that's anyway. impressive. Yeah, that's almost unbelievable in the nonprofit world. Another one I'm very involved with, is a new uh, one I'm going to be the board of directors on this one. It's called The Wounded Blue. And this is to help police officers that have injured in the line of duty. People think when a police officer gets injured, when he gets shot, stabbed, whatever it might be, accident, uh, that the state, county, or city will take care of him, and they don't. He has to use his own uh, sick leave, his own insurance. Uh, when he runs out of sick leave, which most cases they do, he has to go use his vacation time. And then when that's over, the only pay that's coming in is hopefully an industrial compensation, uh, which is one-third of his salary. And that's very hard to live on. And plus, he's, again, he's got to cover his own medical bills. So our foundation is going to go in and take care of those officers, uh, men and women, uh, throughout the United States. We're going to be a, a um, U.S.-wide function on this. And we've already got the backing of President Trump's police liaison is introducing all these contacts uh, to help us get the uh, finances to start this foundation. Everything is in place. We're just waiting for a 501c3. Hopefully, we'll launch uh, in another month. And then the um, one I'm having so much fun with is Candles for Hope, which is uh, out of uh, Long Island, New York. And our mission is we go into and we find the children that are in these shelters that have never had a birthday party. And we go in there with the whole, the cake, the candles, all the gifts and everything else and have a great big birthday party for them. Oh, that's, wow, that's amazing. Bring the age-appropriate gifts plus the things they really need. Also, you know, the typical socks, underwear, et cetera. But this is so successful in the New York area that we've already got requests from uh, other states, almost like Make-A-Wish, uh, how do I get a, a chapter in my state? What can I do? So 
I think we're going to start franchising, as we call it, to other states. But so much fun with these kids. Thank you, Frank, for what you do. We appreciate your military service. We appreciate you taking on. And and in one of the passions that I have is I run a series called The Refractive Thinker. And you embody what we have always tried to do with that idea is not just asking what what or asking why or why not, but what if. And I love that ability about you to do that. So thank you for your military service. Thank you for what you're doing for the children. And thank you for writing the foreword for our last book, which will be coming, or which will debut November 1st, 2018. And ours is about nonprofits and the effective strategies that come from doctoral research in our volume 15 that you wrote the foreword for. So let me publicly thank you for all that you're doing for all of us, simply because you have the courage to begin and to have fun with an idea that often sparks Sparks the ability to get a community involved. Remember, Lao Tzu said the journey of a thousand steps begin with the first one. Thanks for taking that first step, Frank. You are just absolutely an amazing leader. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, let's talk about as we bring the show to a close. You know, Greg Reed likes to talk about the difference between advice and counsel. What counsel would you offer people when they're starting either their personal lives to lead themselves to, to be the parent of a make-a-wish child potential, or simply when you're starting the passion of a new foundation as you're offering with the U.S. Vets and Candles of Hope? Where do you start? Well, I, I mentioned it earlier. Remember, it's not about you. It's about them or the mission. And, but then the other thing is leadership is lead by example. Um, don't ask anybody to do things that you won't or can't do. Uh, and then surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. I've always <laughs> learned that in college courses. <laughs> and what great advice that is. But it's Absolutely. A um, and, of course, we said before, turn that negative to the positive, the stickability, don't give up. You've got an idea, make it work. Well, I know there's an awful lot of people that I talk to, particularly when they watch late night television, right? They have, oh, that was a great idea. Oh, that was a great idea. But they don't take the step to make that idea a reality. As there are lots of idea makers, there aren't a whole lot of people who are idea deliverables, right? That they go and actually put it into creation. I know my company, like yours, was formed in an airplane. Mine was formed at happy hour, thinking that we had just graduated (laughs) And I remember my teacher telling us, and the question she asked, because if not you, then who? If not now, then when? That you are being called to service. The question is, will you pick up the phone? And a lot of people will be the ones that grade the ideas, but they're not willing to take that first step. They're not willing to be able to go out and say, hey, that's a great idea. Now let's go figure out how to make it happen. And then they stop. And therein lies what came from this um, show title, Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner, is a book that I wrote more than 10 years ago and used to scare the heck out of my bosses all the time. We're like, what's this idea of you wanting to be able to teach failure? It's like, I want to teach people how to overcome failure because many people will let failure stop them. And therein lies that you just make it as a, all right, one way that doesn't work, let's keep moving forward because you want to get to that goal. And in your case, I can't imagine ever turning down when you see those sweet little eyes, particularly of a child who's sick, that you will move heaven and earth to make that happen. Oh, yeah. It's it's all about them. Um, that's all I can say. It's about them. Definitely. Well, I remember when I started, I have a nonprofit group, the New Mexico Siberian Husky Rescue, and I remember my very first little Siberian Husky named Cinnamon. She came home for me. She was supposed to die one Christmas. And I told the shelter that if she was going to die, she was going to die at home with me and my other two Siberian Huskies, Thunder and Duchess. And it was an amazing Christmas, Frank, because like your children, she survived and she wasn't supposed to. 
and she started our organization that's more than 10 years old. Actually, sorry, more than 20 years old. It was started in 1997. Steve Eastep runs the group. But it was like you. It was the ability. I didn't have a clue what I was doing back then, Frank. I had no clue that even rescue existed. I just knew that that one little dog, um, a little red and white that had no reason to live, was going to come home with us. And through the magic of love, she was able to live to fight another day and has an entire organization that now thousands of Huskies have been able to be saved because of that one person that made a difference in your life. And in this case, mine just had four legs and a tail. (laughs) So I so understand. But I guess the lesson here, Frank, is what you're telling us is to find inspiration wherever you go, whether it was in some less than fortunate circumstances, whether in the eyes of a child who was probably not going to make it, but the ability to celebrate and find a reason to celebrate. And in some of your celebrations, you save lives and turn the world around. And what a great opportunity that love can do. Well, and you mentioned earlier, you asked me, you know, what, what are the things I'd like to do? I'll give you an example. And I, I still live in a police retirement, uh, comfortable, and the speaking career helps a little bit. And unfortunately, the, hopefully the movie will get sold. So, but what I want to be able to do, and this, when we were doing the pre-production on the movie, Greg Reed and I were over in uh, Newport Beach area getting ready to meet with some studio activity, uh, executives. And it's one of those days in the wintertime where the fog is coming in. It's pretty chilly right along the coast there. And we stopped at a bagel shop to get a little breakfast. And as we're walking inside, Greg notices a shopping cart with a typical homeless thing with their whole life thing in that shopping cart outside and walk in and there's a, a woman huddled in the corner um, just trying to hide, trying to get warm. And Greg went right over to her and said, Hi, my name's Greg Reed. What's yours? And she said, Barry, she's very hesitant to talk to him. And he said, Listen, we're going to have breakfast. Um, would you join us? No, 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 I don't want to join. He said, Well, okay, tell you what, just tell me what you want we'll go order it for you. And brought the food to her, and then he sat down with her and started talking. And towards the thing, she's talking up a storm, and she's got little tears in her eyes, and I overheard the one thing she said is, nobody ever asked me why this or how this happened. And at the end of this, she's kind of setting up a little straighter, a little prouder, and Greg shook her hand, said goodbye, I'm so happy to talk to you, and I noticed there was a $100 bill folded in that hand. Now, that is something I would love to be able to do. Isn't it amazing the power of one and how one person can make a difference? I know I talk to my students all the time about many of them have great ideas, but they don't know how to get started and they feel that it's too big of a challenge because they feel like they're solving world hunger and they get too overwhelmed, so they just stop. And I tried to tell them, it's like, you can't solve world hunger, but maybe you can make a sandwich. And the day that Greg did is he made a difference by starting with one person, one handshake, and the ability, that starfish, right? That one person. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking because I know Greg. And it's amazing that we don't have to solve the world. We all have to do is solve our little corner of the world. And you can imagine what world we might live in, Frank, if everybody just did that, said one th- nice thing and reached out the way Greg did that day. And to lead by example, what a world we might live in if everybody just did one new thing, right? Hmm. Yeah, just talk to people. Another example, we're at Harvard on a speaking thing, and a gentleman there is in a wheelchair. And I would never do this. You probably wouldn't either. So Greg walks up and says, I'm Greg Greed. He says, so what's with the wheelchair? How'd that happen? <laughs> Looked at him and said, nobody has ever asked me that. They're always feeling sorry for me. But they sat down and talked for hours. Now we're still friends with this guy out of Harvard. In fact, he's a professor there now. Isn't that amazing? Said, 
To make well, somebody feel as if they're visible, simply to do something to reach out, be human, and say hi. I mean, that's all it starts, that one step. That's um, that's terrific. So as we bring this show to a close, we have a few minutes left. I want to be able to let everyone know we've been talking with Frank Shankowitz, uh, the co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and getting involved in quite a few other foundations, such as I love this idea with Candles for Hope and U.S. Vets and Wounded Bull. The one thing that I find amazing, Frank, most of all, is, is we're going to to conclude this is how our personal experiences have shaped the organizations we come a part of. If many people would not have been sick, they would have not been a champion for leukemia, a champion for breast cancer, a champion for um, ALS. And so it's that good thing from bad thing. The bad thing is, is you may have had to suffer. The good thing is, is you were able to become a champion and to have a testament because of the trials you have felt. Isn't that just an amazing opportunity to how we can shape people going forward to make that shift from turning a negative into a positive? Yeah, I'm starting to see a little bit more in the press. Uh, you seldom see the feel-good stories in the press, uh, especially on television. That, But I'm starting to see a little bit change in that where the press is focusing on people that are, in fact, helping the community, helping one another uh, just those good, positive stories. And I think we need more of that. I wish we could have more of that instead of all the negative things. Unfortunately, I was in radio and TV for a little, by, a little while, and it's a, if it bleeds, it leads. It seems to be that negative news and bad news always tends to be more sensational and gets higher ratings. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if only the good news got the high ratings and all these feel-good stories that, that bring a tear to your eye that show the, the positive side of humanity and the reason why we're here is to have a help up uh, not a handout. So, well, we so appreciate you joining us today, Frank. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to come in and share with us some of these amazing stories that maybe we might be able to inspire others to have someone to answer that question, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? So we want to be able to thank Frank for coming and to also remind you on how to continue the conversation. You can contact me at our various social media platforms as well as our guests, such as Frank. Uh, we have Twitter at DrSherylentz.com. We have Facebook, Success Through Failure. I am on Facebook, which is Dr.Cheryl.Lentz. And then, of course, my email address, DrSherylentz at gmail.com. So remember, if you contact us on Facebook and you like our page and you suggest a question for our future shows, you could win, win a free book. And we want to be able to offer the uh, different books that we have available in our repertoire. So thank you so much for joining us and for Frank Shankowitz. And share this with your list so that we can get the good word out to show that good news actually is the amazing part that heals. Love can change the world. Wishes can change the world. And we so thank we so thank Frank for sharing with us the power of a wish. So go watch his wish movie when it comes out. Go buy his book, Wish Man. And to be able to do your own saving the world one wish, one starfish at a time. So I'm Dr. Cheryl Lentz, Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. We look forward to having you with us. If you're not able to join us, don't miss a beat and visit our Voice America page to listen to all of our previous shows, all recorded and available on Voice America as well as on iTunes. So remember to make sure that you lead in the dance of failure. And I'm your host, Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner, Dr. Cheryl Lance. See you next week. And remember, the power of a wish. Thank you for joining us this week for Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur. 
Dr. Cheryl Lentz invites you to listen again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's time for you to find your success. We'll talk again next week.